Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the school, the students were gathering to search for a ghoul. All the photos were hung on the drywall with care, all but one missing image that should have been there." This is St. Mary's School for Children with the Stigmata. Episode 7, A Very St. Mary's Christmas, Part 2. When I was a kid, Christmas was all about baking with my family. From homemade pies and cobblers to luscious red velvet cakes with cream cheese frosting. We spent what felt like the whole month of December in the kitchen, making one delicious confection after another. On Friday nights after dinner, my sister and I would wait by the door until we heard my mother's car pull up the driveway. She worked long hours at the hospital but our father always let us stay up to wait for her, even if it was past our bedtime. After hugs and kisses at the door, my dad would carry me and my sister into the kitchen and set us on the Formica countertop so we could reach the baking supplies. Then, after she cleaned up, Mom would walk in and with the doctor's precision ask for the ingredients one by one. Sugar? She'd say. (laughs) Sugar, we'd reply, thinking it was so funny that she talked to us like she talked to her nurses. The pies and cakes were usually for company or family parties, but one snowy Friday night, my mom got home from work early, so we were going to make something extra special for just the four of us. She called out the ingredients. Molasses, she said. Molasses, we replied. (laughs) Cinnamon, cinnamon. Ginger, and so on, until we had taken out everything we needed to bake a gingerbread house. After the carefully cut cookies had finally cooled, my sister and I held the walls in place as Daddy glued the corners together with a stiff white frosting. We watched in awe as my mother piped royal icing into intricate designs with her surgeon's hands. With our parents' help, we placed a battery-powered candle inside that made the melted Jolly Rancher windows look like stained glass and added a snow-cap roof. Gumdrops lined the chocolate walkway as an imperfectly decorated gingerbread family stood at the door. When we were done, the little house moved to the kitchen table as our holiday centerpiece. Christmas music played softly in the background. The multicolored lights twinkled. I was so excited that I almost didn't notice that the room was breaking into pieces around me. Every stigmatist's experience is a little different when it comes to the expression of their wounds. For me, when I'm about to receive my blessing, time stops. The space around me flattens until it almost looks like a print or a painting. Then, as though it's made of glass, the tableau in front of me cracks, then shatters, and falls away. For a moment, I'm suspended in darkness, but far off from the distance is a pinprick of light that eventually changes into a person. Usually someone I recognize. And they always have a message. 
During this first vision in my childhood kitchen, the light in the distance turned into the outline of a woman. Tell them about my school, Marjorie, was all she said before I felt my wrists split open. But in the hallway of St. Mary's on that December day, there was no tableau, no darkness, no pinprick of light, because the girl in the white dress was not a vision. You guys? What's that sound? Guys, please! An icy wind ripped through the hallway, rattling the doors of the open lockers. Don't look behind you. The apparition pulsed with rage, her mouth opening to an unnatural size as if to swallow my classmates right in front of me. What do you want from us? She didn't reply. Her jaw unhinged and dropped down below her collarbones. Katrina and Florence shut their eyes and grabbed each other's arms. I said, what do you want from us? The girl in the white dress raised her arms, summoning the lockers to slam closed. I shut my eyes, scared of what would happen next. But nothing did. The lights came on. What was that? I don't know. We all looked around us in disbelief. Everything seemed like it was back to normal. She's gone. Let's go. Wait. Listen. I watched in horror as a single blue locker creaked open in the hallway behind them. I couldn't help myself. Or maybe I didn't want to. I walked toward it. Are you insane? Marjorie! Marjorie, come back! We really need to put locks on those things. Marjorie, stop! I need to see what's inside. I couldn't have stopped even if I wanted to. I felt an overwhelming urge to keep going. That there was something in that locker I needed to see. There's something in here! What is it? Come look. And against their better judgment, they did. It's a friendship bracelet. Are you sure? Just looks like a braid made out of thread to me. That's all they are. My sister and I used to make these for each other. The tradition is that you'd wear them until it unraveled as a way of showing appreciation for the work that went into it. But this one looks like it was hardly ever worn. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to. It's just an old bracelet in an old locker that no one cleaned out when whoever wore it graduated. Well, maybe we can find out who wore it. Twenty quid says it's the basement ghost. Oh, I thought you said she was a multi-level ghost. Also, that reminds me, fuck you guys. Oh, for Christ's sake, let it go, Florence. As they began to argue, I felt the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Stop it now! Surprisingly, they did. Okay. Sorry. Okay. For some reason, when we fight, I feel something. What do you feel? I don't know. A, a presence? A presence. Yeah. I think it's the girl in the white dress. We looked around, but didn't see anything. What makes you think it's her? I don't know. It's it's just a feeling. You know, maybe we should... No. Never mind. No, what were you going to say? It's dumb. I never stopped you before. Don't even go there, Katrina. Florence, please continue. I was going to say that maybe we should try to find out who the girl in the white dress was. Or is. Or... Whatever. Why would we do that? Because maybe she has unfinished business, or she's trying to tell us something. Yeah, like, you should remember to clean out your locker. Katrina! Sorry. I meant to say... Great insight, Florence. Was that so hard? Besides, 
She may not leave until she gets whatever she came for. And that is? How should I know? Well, we can find out. Where do you think we should start? Oh, fuck. Are we actually doing this? I would start with the student records in Father Donovan's office. But I don't know how to get in. You still have the maintenance keys I gave you when you went down to the basement, right? Any chance the master is on there? I don't know, but we can try. We should also check the library since they keep the yearbooks there. If she was a student or a teacher, she'd be in one of them. Probably from 1978. Like it said on the picture frame. Florence and I shared a surprised look. You know, it's hard to act helpful when everyone seems shocked when you do. Sorry, Katrina. You're right. Should we split up? No! no. Okay! We'll go to the office together. So here's what we do. Katrina, you'll be our lookout in case Sister Mary Colette shows up. If you see her, get back as soon as you can and we'll pretend we're putting up decorations or something. Got it. I'll bring the garland with me so it looks convincing. Awesome. Florence, you keep track of the keys we used so we don't try the same ones twice. Sounds good. Cool. We're ready. Places, everyone. None of us had ever done anything like this before. And though it was definitely not allowed, we all knew that not finding out who this girl was would be worse than the trouble we'd get into if we were caught. As Katrina went to a nearby window to keep watch, and Florence stood attention by my side, I heard myself say, Keys? Just like my mother. Keys. One by one, I put each key in the old brass doorknob, waiting for the lock to release, but none of them worked. I paused. Bobby pin? Florence pulled one out of her hair and handed it to me. Bobby pin. I bent it and stuck it in the lock. Is it working? I think so. That's so fucking cool. Where'd you learn that? MacGyver. My mother loves him. Katrina! We're in! Coming! You know where they keep files, Florence? They are in a closet in the back. Okay, you lead the way. I'll stay here and keep an eye out for Sister Mary Collette. Thanks, Katrina. Hopefully we won't be too long. Florence and I tiptoed through a series of nested rooms. First, a tired reception area, then a printer closet, before we got to Father Donovan's overstuffed leather waiting room. His office door was already partly open, and though neither of us had seen him in weeks, we saw a light shining through the crack. We both stopped dead in anticipation of whatever was beyond the door. I held my breath and leaned toward it to take a look inside. But there was nothing. Just an empty desk, a wooden swivel chair, and a small lamp illuminating a burgundy blotter. There's the closet. Florence pointed at a plain wooden door on the back wall. I walked right to it, grabbed the knob, and turned. It clicked open. At least you don't have to pick another lock. You're telling me. The records are arranged by year. Each drawer is like a decade or something. I'd start in that cabinet for anything before 1980. You've been here before. Sometimes Sister Mary Collette lets me file the archives during lunch. I never noticed. That's because we don't eat together. I'm sorry about that. Florence shrugged. Ugh, how is this place even dustier than the basement? Look at all this. I don't even know where to start. I pulled open the bottom drawer of a file cabinet and thumbed through the old manila envelopes. What year did Katrina say we were looking for again? 1978. Well, if I remember correctly, this drawer here is the late 70s. Let me see. Huh. I didn't know they put our pictures in all our files. That's weird. Me neither. 
Wait, stop. What is it? 1978. We found it! Let's go! I pulled the file and shoved the drawer back in the cabinet. We're taking it with us? Yeah. What did you think we were doing? Not sure. Honestly, I didn't think we'd get this far. The next time you archive something for Sister Mary Collette, can you sneak it back in? Yeah, I, I can do that. Great. Then let's get out of here. We ran out of the office as fast as we could, fighting the urge to squeal with joy as the adrenaline of successfully completing our first heist ran through our veins. You found it? Damn right. Did anyone come by? No. I think they're still with the bishop, but we're running out of time. It's almost five o'clock. We need to get to the library. What was that? Oh, a cue to exit. The library was always unlocked so we could study, but we rarely ever used it. Despite the picture windows, it felt dark. It had hard wooden chairs and stacks on stacks of outdated encyclopedias. But it also had what we needed that day. All the St. Mary's yearbooks. They're over here! We pulled them off the shelves. Okay, I have 1980 and 1975. And I have 76, 77, and 79. Where's 1978? I don't know. It should be here. You've got to be kidding me. Where on earth could it be? Probably somewhere it can't be found. <sighs> this is useless. No, it, it has to be in here somewhere. It, it just has to. Unless someone took it. Like this file? No, wait. I looked up and saw a thin, red, hardcover book on a shelf across the room. Over there, on that shelf. Katrina and Florence looked up. I walked over to it and pulled it down. 1978. How did you... Basement ghost ex machina. Come here, you guys. We each pulled up a hard wooden chair around one of the circle study tables to investigate our findings. Look at the haircuts. Yikes. Dorothy Hamill's for everyone. Who's Dorothy Hamill? An ice skater. Florence, can you take out the pictures in the file? Sure. Looks like there's two. Two? Why does St. Mary's even have yearbooks? So we can have something normal to remember this time. Something other high schoolers have. That's her. You sure? I'm sure. I put the picture from the file next to the senior portrait of the girl in the white dress. I go, I go. Look how I go, swifter than arrow from the Tartar's bow. To all my St. Mary's sisters, past, present, and future, this was the only advice I thought was fit to share with you in our final days. Hold each other close, love each other fiercely, and stick together no matter who or what comes between you. And to my real sister, wherever you are, the most important thing is, even when we're apart, I'll always be with you, Winnie the Pooh. P.S. I still have your bracelet. In loving memory of Phyllis. The lights flickered softly. Is this a good sign or a bad sign? I am not sure. I wonder what happened to her. There's nothing in her file. That's kind of weird. Or it just wasn't what she needed us to know. You guys, it's almost six. Sister Mary Collette will be back soon. Shit, you're right. And the hallway isn't even decorated yet. She's gonna know something's up. No, she won't. Because we're going to help you set everything up. Quick, let's put all these books away. We can do the tree first, if you want, Florence. You mean I get to help you? You don't get to help us. It's compulsory. To save all our asses. 
This is going to be the best Christmas St. Mary's has ever seen. Not an especially high bar, but we're up for the challenge. <laughs> for the next hour, Katrina, Florence, and I decorated the halls at what felt like warp speed. We'd already forgotten the terrors of the day and instead surrounded ourselves in Christmas spirit. When we were finished, the school looked brighter than we'd ever seen it. This looks awesome, you guys. Thanks for helping me put it together. Well, we couldn't have done it without you, Marjorie. Or without Phyllis. I can't stop thinking about the note she left in the yearbook. Me neither, but she was right. Look at us, acting like sisters. This is great. Sisters is a little much. More like, uh, what's a good word for close acquaintances? You mean friends? Yes, friends. Which reminds me. Katrina reached into her pocket and pulled out the friendship bracelet we'd found in Phyllis' locker. That we should hang this on the tree in a place of honor. She tied the ends of the bracelet together and hung it under the star. From here on out, let's at least try to be friends. Always. No matter what. I can try. Me too. As we looked up at the tree, a soft wind blew through the corridor, and the Christmas lights seemed to blink in approval of our newfound friendship. For that moment, all was calm. All was bright. And then I felt the hair on the back of my neck stand up. If only Phyllis knew what was about to come between us. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Mary's School for Children with the Stigmata. If you enjoyed this chapter, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. If you'd like to support this podcast so we can keep making more episodes, click the support link in the show notes. To learn more about this and all our projects, visit our website, newgirlpictures.com. To learn more about Victorian Christmas ghost stories, visit one of the many sources, including the Smithsonian and The Guardian, listed in the show notes. 